ever feel like your life is a constant run at a two-minute clock before the half or before the end of a game? What to do when you feel like time has gotten away from you? We'll talk about it today on Graceful Truth. Join us. When time gets away from us, we tend to hurry up. It's that hurry up offense, right? That two minute warning at the end of a football game. The problem is we think it's time, but at the end of the day, it's really about stress. So today here on Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, we'll take a look at stress and how we can put all of it back into God's hands where it belongs. We're looking at Psalm 31, verse 14 specifically. Won't you join us? From Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, let's catch up with Pastor Steve Converse now and today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that stuff. You made it through so far anyway. Um, a lot of times this time of the year can be uh, tumultuous at best for a lot of different folks, not just with calendars and time and all that stuff, but also um, stress seems to creep into our lives this time of year. Um, And that's one thing I want to talk to us a little bit about this morning in Psalm chapter, uh, the Psalm 31 actually is what we want to be looking at this morning. And I just want to read for us Psalm 31 uh, verses 14 and 15, which will be kind of the center point of our text this morning. Psalm 31, uh, beginning verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. One thing that we know in the world in which we live today is that uh, the reality um, is that we live in a very fast-paced society. We live in a society that wants everything yesterday, whether it's fast food or your internet connection or whatever it might be. I was just uh, doing some work last night on the iPad in my bedroom. And I'm thinking, why is this thing so slow? And yet I stopped and I thought, you know, if I were to compare this to the computers that we had and the gadgets we had 10 years ago, there would be no, you know, it would be like lightning speed. But we just get this in our heads that we have to have everything right now. And we constantly hear about people being stressed in our society. People that are just inundated with all these these deadlines and and goals and agendas that they have. And uh, they're either stressed out or they're going through burnout or something like that. You hear this all the time. There's a a stress test that you can take and uh, it gives points. It awards points for various uh, traumatic situations that you might find yourself in. For example, the death of a spouse rates 100 points which is probably one of the most stressful things you'll ever go through, to lose your loved one, a spouse, the one that you've been married to and spent your life with. Very stressful. They rate the Christmas season as 12 points. If you took a vacation at Christmas, you not only got the 12 points for Christmas, but throw in an extra 13 points just because vacations can be stressful. Uh, I read an article in Reader's Digest, I remember reading this years ago, it was about a, a woman who was just your classic uh, type A personality, you know, just driven, 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 always doing everything fast, has to get everything done. 
and always self-imposed stress. Uh, not all stress is bad, by the way. There's some stress that's good. But her friend was determined to kind of break her out of this and get her time to relax. She was just always just stressed. And so her friend invited her over for dinner. And um, while she was busy fixing dinner, she said, you know, hey, I bought a video for you. And uh, it's, it's not that long. It's, but I, I want you to sit down and watch this video because I, it, I think it'll really help you in this area of stress. And so... She went in the kitchen, was fixing dinner, and the lady went in the living room, turned the video on. Fifteen minutes later, the lady comes into the kitchen. And she said, yeah, I'm done. It didn't help me. And the lady cooking dinner said, that's impossible. You couldn't have watched that video. It was 70 minutes long. Well, I did it on fast forward. But I got the gist of it. That's not for me. You know, some of us are that way. We just want everything done. You know, whether it's we drove to Monterey the other day and we were in traffic and I'm just thinking, oh, man, you know, and it starts building. And I had to kind of remember, OK, wait, what have you been studying this week? What, what have you been preparing to share on Sunday? You just need to chill out a little bit. And you may wonder back in biblical times, thousands of years ago, did these people ever deal with stress? Did they ever deal with stress that sometimes our modern world faces? Well, David went through stress. He probably went through stress like none of us have ever experienced. I doubt if anybody in this room today, he's the one that wrote Psalm 31. Most of us have probably never been under the stress of literally having someone determined to kill you. And you're constantly fleeing from them. I mean, that would be kind of a nightmare, wouldn't it? Always looking over your shoulder. But David went through just that thing. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 31. He says in verse 3, you are my rock, my fortress. For your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. And then he says, you take me out of the net they have hidden for me. Who's they? The enemy. The ones who are trying to kill him. Down in verse 13, he says, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Do you ever go into a room and people are over in the corner and they're... And you walk in, hey, what's and they stop talking. What do you think? Oh, what are they saying about me, right? I mean, that's just the, the natural inclination. They're talking about me behind my back. Well, David had that going on all the time. And they weren't just talking about him. They were talking about how to kill him. That would be a little stressful. You might find that a little hard to, to sleep at night if that kind of stress was in your life. Verse 11 says they even slandered him. Because all my, adver- my ad- adversaries have become a reproach, especially to my, uh, a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the streets flee from me. So apparently they turned all his friends and neighbors against him. Furthermore, I think David could see the connection, <laughs> this is interesting, between his current troubles, we've probably all been in this situation before, and his own sin. Have you ever found yourself in a situation and you're going, okay, you're looking around, there's nobody to blame but yourself. And you know you did wrong, you know you sinned before the Lord, and you're bearing out the consequences of your sin. In verse 10, he says, For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of what? What's he say? Of my iniquity. He recognized his own sin was causing some of this stress some of this affliction in his life. And he had to wrestle with that, that guilt on top of everything else. 
reminded of, of a story of a brother and sister. Call them Johnny and Mary. Johnny got this new slingshot for his birthday. And he was in the backyard and he was shooting little pebbles at bottles and things and just couldn't hit anything. Nothing. Everything he aimed at, he missed. So they had to go inside for dinner and they're walking inside and he said, ah, give it one more shot. And he saw his grandmother's little bunny there on the porch. And he thought, I'm no, I'm not going to hit it. Sure enough, he pulled the slingshot back, took aim, hit the thing right in the head and killed it, dead. He went inside and thought, man, what am I going to do? This is grandmother's bunny. I am in big trouble. Don't know what to do. They sat down at dinner. Dinner started and Sister Mary was sitting next to him. And the mother said, Mary, can you get up and get everybody glasses of water for the dinner? And she said, oh, mommy, Johnny would like to do that. She leaned over to Johnny and she says, remember the rabbit. (laughs) Johnny thought, oh, no, she saw me kill grandma's rabbit. So she went, he went into the kitchen and reluctantly got the glasses and sat down. and, And you can see where this is going at the end of dinner. Mother asked Mary to help with the dishes. and Oh, Mother, Johnny said he would love to help you with the dishes. She looked at Johnny, said, remember the rabbit. Well, this went on for a week or so. Finally, poor Johnny was so riddled with guilt over what he had done. He went into his grandmother's room, lived in the back, and said, I'm so sorry, I killed your rabbit. That's how it died. I couldn't bear to tell you, shot it with the slingshot. You know, she said, she said, I know. I saw the whole thing. But I loved you so much, I already forgave you. I just wondered how long you were going to allow this guilt of what you did to keep that under your, your sister's thumb. You held out for a week and a half. That was pretty good. But doesn't it feel good just to confess it? That's what guilt does. Guilt puts us under the thumb. And see, one thing David understood was that he had to wrestle with his guilt on top of everything else. And maybe you've done some things wrong in your life. Maybe you've sinned in a myriad of ways. We all have. But don't allow that guilt to control you. Guilt is not necessarily bad. When you do something wrong, you should feel guilty. The problem with our society today is when people feel guilty over something, they say, well, lay down on the couch and we'll talk about your guilt. Remember, one, one uh, psychologist, biblical psychologist, had the person lay down, and the guy goes, well, you know what? I just am feeling so guilty. I just, you know, I don't know what to do. I just have this guilt, this continuous guilt. And the, the, the psychologist finally said, well, you know what? It's because you're guilty. <laughs> and he went on to explain the gospel to him. See, our modern society doesn't understand that. Guilt is a bad thing. Um, but we, we do know that it was written, this, this psalm, when David was in a pressure cooker. He was under a lot of stress. And he tells us how to deal with stress. And, you know, with this new year coming up, you don't know what you're going to face. You really don't. Whatever stresses you face now, or even in 2014, David, I want you to understand, had at least equal or greater ones. 
And so this psalm isn't being written by somebody up in some ivory tower somewhere that doesn't understand what you're going through. No, it's written by somebody who's had his life threatened and lived in a very stressful situation for a period of time. And in verses 14 to 15, David gives us really a key on handling stress in our lives. He says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord, and I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. To personalize that statement, I put it there in your outline. My response to stress should be trust in the sovereign, personal God. The God who created you. The God who loves you. Notice the first thing here in verse 15. He says, my times are in your hand. My times. That kind of shows us the reality of stress. Both David's times and our times are marked by instability. If you don't believe me, just ask somebody that's in the financial market. They'll say, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. Talk to somebody in real estate. Yeah, it's good now, but it could change like that. You don't know. The word times there is, notice it's plural. It's not my time is in your hand. No, my times. What's he speaking of here? John Calvin commented on this. He says, he does not use the plural number times without reason, but rather to mark the variety of casualties by which the life of man is usually harassed. In other words, what he's saying is, you know what? When you live your life, you're going to be faced with, with adversaries and different things that are going to cause st- stress in your life multiple times over. I mean, it'd be nice if you became a Christian and you had to go through one little stress test and that was it, right? Wow, you know, faced it, got it over with, and the rest is just pure bliss. That's not what the Christian life is. The word causes us to reflect upon the instability and the changeableness of life. Life is always changing. We were just talking the other night. My wife was getting my clothes ready. She was asking about a certain waist size. And that carried over into the living room. And we're sitting there. She said, well, you used to wear a 32 and a 34. Well, things change. Times change, you know. Bodies change. I mean, I figure, you know, when I was 20, I was a size 32. Now I'm 35, 36. That's not too bad. Not that it always could use improvement. It could, but I'm just saying. See, we may think that we control our times, but you know what? We really don't. I mean, stop and think about even the King David. One day, David was this powerful king, powerful king, ruler. The next segment, he's running for his life. From his own rebellious son. See, you never know what stresses you're going to face in 2014. Now, some of them are predictable, aren't they? Sometimes we know there's, there's stressful times coming. Predictable changes. Maybe that relate to the, the way we age or changes in life cycle, things like that. Some of you may be graduating high school or college this next year. That's a change. But you know what's coming. Still stressful, but you know it's coming. Maybe some of you will be starting a new career. Stressful, but you, you, know, you know it's coming. You know you'll be doing it. Others will be entering married life, maybe for the first time this next year. A little stressful. Others will be having their first child. Maybe your, 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 one of your children will be entering school for the first time. All those things are predictable. 
Some of you may be facing retirement. That could be stressful. But they're all predictable. They just need some adjustments in our life. But there's other changes that happen in our life, beloved, that are quite unpredictable, that are unannounced, that just come out of nowhere. They barge into our lives like an intruder in the night. And they surprise us. They catch us off guard. Could be the sudden loss of a family member. Maybe the loss of health. Maybe an aging parent will require large segments of your time and your energy to care for them. Some will lose their jobs. In our society, you lose your job, you lose part of your identity. That's just the way it is. That change in life can put a tremendous amount of stress, not only on the individual, but on the family. We see it in our society today. read this statistic. 85% of men who are unemployed for nine months or more end up divorcing their spouse. It's kind of weird. It goes right to the heart of the issue, though. Some may find themselves in a situation in their marriage that's hard to deal with, that you never planned on. See, whether it's predictable or unpredictable, I'm just here to tell you the new year holds things that will produce stress in our lives. And I want to make three brief observations about this psalm dealing with stress. And the first one, there A, the time to prepare for stress is before it hits. Don't wait till you're in a stressful situation and then run around trying to figure out what to do. It's obvious from Psalm 31 that David knew God in a very personal way. He knew him in a a practical, thorough way before he got into any crisis that prompted this psalm. The reason I know that is because just look at what he writes in the psalm. Look at verse 1, verse 19, verse 20. He talks about the attributes of God. God is a refuge. He's a shelter. He says he's righteous in verse 1. He says in verse 23 that he will judge righteously. In verse 2 and 3, he calls him a rock of strength. In verses 2 and verse 22, he says, you know what? My God hears and answers prayer. In verse 2 and 3, he says he's a stronghold. He's a fortress. In verse 4, he says that he's David's source of strength. Verse 5, that he's a God of truth. 7, 16, 21, that he's a God of loving kindness. Verse 7, that he's all-knowing. Verse 9, that he's gracious. And that he forgives, he doesn't cast off the rejected. He even has unlimited storehouses of goodness for those who fear him in verse 19. Even if you're going through the worst trial, this is the God who will care for you. Now, trust me, David didn't learn all that about God in the midst of this present trial that he's going through. He didn't learn about it in this calamity that he finds himself in. I believe it deepened his knowledge of God. It always does when we go through trials, when we go through distress, when we deal with stress. It it should deepen our knowledge of God. But David had begun to know God through his word. All you have to do is read Psalm 19. As a boy tending his father's sheep, became very familiar with the Lord. Even then, God knew David as a man after his own heart. So when crisis hit David's life, what happened? David had the resources stocked up in God to lean upon. He didn't have to question his God. He didn't have to question his faith. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 
says that exact same thing. Basically, the, the, the whole point there is the time to get wisdom is before calamity strikes. You don't want to wait till the calamity hits you. And that's the point, that, that the, the first point here is that the time to prepare for stress is before it hits. But sometimes it's good to deal with stress before you're actually in a stressful situation. People who are experts in security and things like that, they always tell you, don't wait until you're getting robbed or getting held up at gunpoint or in, a, in a carjacking to figure out what you're going to do. Think about it ahead of time. If that happened right now, what would I do? And I often have thought about that. And so that's the point here. And David makes that point. He spends time alone with God. He spends time alone in his word. Feeds his soul. Gets himself ready. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to let the word of God confront our lives where, where the sin is, where it needs to be dealt with. And then we'll be ready when it comes to crunch time. If you're already in a, in a crisis and you don't know God as David did, then you need to seek him like you never saw him before, beloved. Because he's gracious and he'll meet you there. He'll help you out. But the time to prepare for stress is before it hits. Secondly, even if our stress is the consequences of our sin, look at we can still take refuge in God. So many times I run into believers that find themselves in the depths of sin and rather than run to the church, run to Christ, they run the other way. That doesn't make any sense. If there's one place you should be in when you're dealing with sin is in church, around God's people, where you can get accountability, where you can talk about it, where you can get it out in the open, where you can be transparent. That's a problem with a lot of our churches today. There's no transparency. Everybody comes into church with a pasty little smile. Hi, oh, praise the Lord, everything's fine. Everything's just good. They know their whole family was in disarray 30 minutes ago and they were getting ready for church and everything was crazy and they're yelling and screaming and they're fighting and they're coming to the parking lot and then they walk in, oh, everything's fine. We need some transparency in church. You know, it's okay to say, you know what, I've had a rough morning. Things are not going well this morning. Could you pray for me? I mean, you don't need to live it out in all the, the grisly details for everybody to hear, but let's be honest with ourselves and honest with others. Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. 
One other invitation we would like to extend to you is the opportunity to partner with us financially. As you probably know by now through most of the other programming here on KFAX, each of these broadcasts are brought to you as a direct result of involvement from listeners such as yourself, both financially and prayerfully. As you consider year-end giving, would you consider Graceful Truth in the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City? It would mean a great deal to us to hear from you at this time. You can write to us at Graceful Truth, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. You can also contact us by phone, 650-366-9923. You can learn more about Graceful Truth online at gracefultruth.org and, coming soon, the ability to contribute securely online at our website, again, gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org. And again, we're able to come to you each and every week here on KFAX as you partner with us financially, saying that the broadcast is of value to you and that you would like to help continue spreading God's Word through the ministry of Graceful Truth each and every Sunday here on KFAX. And again, as you consider year-end giving, it would mean a great deal to us at this time to hear from you. So would you take a moment and get a hold of us? Again, you can contact us with your donation at 650-366-9923 or write to us and address your envelope to 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. And again, all of that information can again be found at our website, gracefultruth.org. We do thank you for joining us and look forward to hearing from you. It would mean a great deal to us at this time of year. Until next week at this same time, God bless.